Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James and well... Can you believe it? It's going down to the wire. An incredible weekend of Skybet Championship sees three teams chasing an automatic promotion spot, three teams chasing a playoff spot, and an incredible seven teams fighting relegation with none confirmed. The greatest league in the world delivered again yesterday, and fortunately the stars aligned for Fulham, who could do the ultimate gate crash on Wednesday if results go our way, if results very much go our way. Uh, joining me on today's pod to look back at yesterday's eight-goal thriller against Sheffield Wednesday is Don Betts. Hello, hello. And Freddie Cooper's agent, George Cooper. <laughs> hello, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Um, the reason I say that is because yesterday you and your little brother uh, did hot mics, which is the kind of place where you can do commentary over the Fulham game. And so you and your brother took it on. Uh, I dipped in and out. Um, how how was it for you guys? Oh, how, it was fun. It, was, it could not have picked a better game to to do our sort of debut hot mic. And, and brother, brotherly uh, debut is the first time we've done the Fulhamish thing together. I know Fred's been knocking at the door for quite some time. He's, uh, so he, he, he seized the opportunity and uh, I think he delivered. It was such good fun and so many goals and talking points and uh, big thanks to anyone who did join us uh, for a bit on Saturday. But we would definitely hopefully do it again at some point. It was it was cracking. Yeah, we definitely need to get you guys back on. He has a touch of the young Sammy James's, Freddie. I feel like did it, did it, um, <laughs> because he know he's one of those sixteen year olds. I've met him quite a few times now, who just is like an oracle for Fulham. Um, yeah, just just knows absolutely everything. Were there any moments yesterday where you felt like he really shows you up? Oh, multiple times. I, I knew that was going to be the uh, the case from the onset, but um, he says he's got a touch of a young Sammy James. He'll, he'll, he'll definitely he'll be delighted to hear that. Uh, he's been listening to Fulham Mission since I think your first broadcast, which how many years ago that was. So Four I think he ago. I think he might have modelled yeah. himself on a on your presenting style, perhaps Sammy. But well, I, I only mean it because I was a little Fulham nerd when I was like his <laughs> age. I knew I knew absolutely everything, and and funnily enough, even though I run a podcast on it these days, I just don't have anywhere near the knowledge that I used to I used to know every single player in like the under 23s I could probably give you a full rundown of the women's team's results I knew absolutely everything and these days just not quite uh, at that level yeah Freddie's party trick is he used to I think he probably could still do it but you could chuck him I'm sure Don will be able to do this as well but you could say give me the results of Fulham Sheffield Wednesday in 2016 uh, home leg and he'd be able to tell you what the score was and who scored and you could do it with any Fulham game over the last four years oh, no, and he'd I'm, just be I'm, able- I'm absolutely I'm absolutely terrible I can, pro- I can probably tell you results pre-season friendlies but not actual <laughs> results so, um, if, he's, um, if he's modeling himself on Sammy that's good he definitely doesn't want to be the new Don Betts so. <laughs> but, um, but yeah no he, he did great and, um, and yeah I hope we'll see him again at some point I'm sure and uh, I guess the only good thing Dom yesterday is you probably saw some goals didn't you <laughs> yeah me and my dad were just uh, sat down in his office watching the game just so he didn't annoy the rest of the family inside the house um, and we were, when the when the goals were going it was just like what, what is happening because we, we, we were in a fair, we were in quite a rush because uh, we went from a family lunch um, of, uh, around, around one o'clock and obviously we'd get back and then obviously we, we got back about five minutes before the game started put it on and I think you know, I put in, in, in the group chat oh, t- oh, 
I think Jack was asking our oh, health. I was like, we looked terrible after, after in the first 10 minutes. And then Nisi Skwana just went and put it in the bottom corner. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been, lockdown's been weird sort of watching every Fulham goal, really. <laughs> yeah, and uh, not having to do... miss it because uh, you need to <laughs> well, go to the concourse. Fair, it, it's, it's just because I can have a beer and still watch the game. So it's, it's I perfect, can, really. I can still imagine you going and standing in the garden at the stroke of 30 minutes. To be fair, for the, for the Leeds game, once they scored their third, I went and sat outside with my beer. Yeah, have a little yeah. soak. So, so I missed the, um, I think it was it the Cabano sending off towards the end of that game. I also missed the Cabano sending off and I was also sat in the garden with a beer. But how far we've come since that game and uh, belated congratulations to Leeds as well for, for winning the championship this weekend. Um, George, three word review time. Uh, we've digressed enough. Absolutely. So we've had some cracking ones. Uh, I'll start off with Darley Brayton, who said, boring old game. And then followed by J- <laughs> James Tudway, need a beer. Uh, Julian Hare maybe just maybe in reference to the fact that we've still got a glimmer of hope of securing top two this one made me laugh from our very own AF always love QPR Um, Bamba you can always rely on uh, Richard we're gonna do it so play on the word there I I saw that and I actually thought that was exceptional we're gonna do it (laughs) yeah Copper Reason 10 had some good ones lunch Time playground football slash promotion is lava. Promotion is lava, I think. Brilliant. Uh, Brian Lake 12, stress, a uh, couple stressful Wednesdays. Mimi Newsome, momentum building nicely. Frank Miller, Bobby Game Over Reed. I mean, Bobby Reed is he's worth a signing just for the amount of puns that he gives us for, for three word reviews, to be honest. Wait, I don't, I don't you think. Can, you can- you can rhyme so much with Decadova. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I, I, I think we could have done an, an every single episode of Fulhamish this season with a three-word review just using Bobby Reed and Harry Arthur. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> very true. So I'll crack on. David Gadd, Heart Attack Central. Liam Ballard, proper Fulhamish performance. Andrew Sherman, definitely not parkable. Matt Wall, playoff bingo begins. And then finally, I think this is probably my favourite of the lot, Stephen Sheldrake, Copa, Copa Cabano. Yeah, well, Niskins Cabano was the uh, the hero yesterday, the star of the show in a, in a crazy game, 5-3. And I played my first football game today since lockdown. So for four months and it was actually Farrell that organised it. It was, a, it was a kickabout in Gunnersbury Park. It wasn't an official match or anything like that. And, and everything one was blowing after 10 minutes. And even that game with massive goals and rubbish keepers, only ended about 6-3. So the fact that there was eight goals yesterday in an actual professional football match um, was quite staggering. It was one of those games that you certainly won't forget. Um, let's have a look with the lineups. And, and clearly Parker was going for a little bit of rotation, Dom. Arthur Johansson, Cabano, Lamarchon came in. Lamarchon, he's back. Uh, hallelujah, Zuta Law. Uh, Reed, Decadova Reed, Cavalero and Brian uh, dropped out of the starting 11. And it was quite surprising that Parker did this. He probably had decided that lineup before he knew what would have happened in the Brentford game. And I wonder if he'd have gone with the same starting 11 had he known that Brentford were going to choke like they did. I think the lineup he chose would was would perfectly fine regarding the situation, regardless of what it was. Because I think if you if you look at the two teams, I've got a Sheffield Wednesday mate, and I was talking to him about you know Sheffield Wednesday before the game, and he was like, you could probably play your under fives, and they'd probably end up beating us. Uh, I feel like the team he put out was just was was good enough to win the game. I think that's that's what Parker put out. I think it was important 
two rest players, but we know there's some players we can rest and bring in others who can do a perfectly capable job. Like in the low of the last few games, when Stephanie Hansen has come in, he's looked perfectly fine. I think he, I'm actually surprised he hasn't been given more opportunities this season because, you know, we know what he can do. We saw that in 16, 17 and 17, 18. I know it, there's obviously the stat he hasn't scored in about three years. But um, no, I thought I when I saw, when I saw the lineup, I was like, I was happy to see the rotation because, you know, although, you know, top two was still on, you know, going into the game, you know, we, we are most likely going to go into the playoffs, judging by the odds today, which I got was 130 to one for us technically to get automatic promotion. So I think, no, I, I was put, I was really? saying, what, for us to get 130 to one to get automatic. That, so, I mean, that's basically what I, what I did is I, Instead of betting on the outcome, I betted on the needed outcomes in the three matches. So I did double chance Barnsley in their game, QPR to beat West Brom and then us to beat Wigan. William Hill, other betting providers are available. Um, I think <laughs> it, it, it came on there about 109, 110 and then William Hill often offer you a boost and it got boosted to like 130. I think on Skybet, it's only about 80 to 1. But yeah, I got it 130. So what two quid and that, which is left in my account. Um, but yeah, no, it was... I think the team we put out was perfectly good enough to win the game. I think, I think actually, if you look at the games which Niskins Cabano has started, he's got something like four or five goals in his last ten. So it's it's not he's his when he actually starts his goal record isn't actually too bad. He also, he also loves scoring against Sheffield Wednesday, um, especially mm, towards the end does. of the season. It seems. Um, but again, I thought as I said I'm sort not of that you saw from- either of those goals that I know that you're referencing. <laughs> no, I no actually I. I did because I was so hungover at that uh, Wednesday away game towards <laughs> the end of the season because we we went to I went to Grimsby versus Plymouth on the Saturday then of we had did. A, and a night out in Sheffield on the Sunday where every club was just filled with Fulham fans and then or I remember I remember just walking down the, down West Street seeing Leeds are falling apart again and you know loads of Sheffield fans uh, joining in but yeah no I thought I said I thought, I thought the team we put out yesterday was perfectly good enough to win the game and it was good to see obviously Cabana getting the short sheet and Bobby Reed obviously because uh, it, it was quite funny I was with my Bristol City mate on Friday night just having a drink and I said like, oh yeah Bobby Reed couldn't have hit a barn door with a banjo turns out the next day Pings went in from twenty yards so uh, what do I know. Well, what do you know, Dom? But I, I think I'd have been the same, the same if I'd have been chatting to a mate on uh, on fr- on Friday as well. Uh, and we made an incredible start, didn't we, George? And obviously, Cabano got us underway. Um, Mitro scored a lovely goal. Not really. I mean, his finish was good, but it was more the team um, mm. play into it. And then Cabano won us the penalty that kind of put us three 0 up before half time. It was it was wonderful stuff. Yeah, but we've always said on the pod that Fulham play their best football when we get an early goal. You know, we, we've seen it. We, we've only come back from behind twice this season, both times against QPR. But we we don't do well when teams set up to sort of park the bus a little bit. And we, we sometimes find it's hard to, to break teams down once they get that early advantage. So it's, it's just a, a, a sigh of relief that went out when Cabano got that goal. And it, you could argue, when looking upon it on first glance, you say, oh, the keeper's not done well there. He's, you know, he's, he shouldn't be getting beaten at his first post. But I thought the finish was incredible. He just slots it through the eye of the needle. He saw that the keeper's off his line and it, it takes a real goal-scoring instincts in order to see that gap. And he still had to thread it through a few defenders. It was a very, very tidy, cunning finish, um, almost as good as the uh, the second goal that he scored. But I think Cabano was just 
fantastic for the whole game yesterday. You know, he did not put a foot wrong. And yeah, when was the last time we saw Fulham 3-0 up going into half time? We thought it was going to be uh, plain sailing from there, but uh, how wrong how wrong we were. To be fair, we, yeah. we should have been 3-0 up at Huddersfield at home. We decided to see two in the in the last five minutes of our, uh, before half. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to be fair, that's probably the closest we've come to actually having such a dominant lead um, in any game this season. I think the Millwall game is really the only one that stands out as where we actually well, it was the first it. time we that, taken... That Reading away as well, actually. Yeah, I think it's the first time we've literally taken a two-goal lead in a... Yeah, second time we've taken a two-goal lead in a game since, like, the 3rd of February. Albeit, there was only about a month left of that before lockdown, but the stat sounds good, so... Yeah, it does sound good. It was like, I think Farrell, like, in the second game of lockdown, said, like, oh, that's his, uh, that's his first goal since February. And I said, Farrell, we've been in lockdown for three months. You can't use that stat, like... <laughs> <laughs> That's such um, a Farrell stat, that, isn't it? <laughs> such a Farrell stat. Um, so Sheffield Wednesday got themselves back into the match. Um, knew who, who loves scoring against Fulham, by the way. Obviously, he uh, was the man that got the equaliser back up at Hillsborough in the 94th minute. Um, I think it was September that game now. Um, so he got a penalty. And then and then Murphy scored for Sheffield Wednesday with, with 12 minutes left. And, and suddenly, Dom, it, it was all quite nervy, really, wasn't it? It was all a bit unnecessary yeah I, I was like when 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 it was happening i was like to my dad i was like surely we're not we're not doing this like surely <laughs> surely you know if you look if you look at you looking at that first half you you wouldn't expect each other wednesday to be doing anything but they got themselves back into the game and i'll but yeah when 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 they started getting back into the game i was like no we're not doing this <laughs> please 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 no we obviously we never make it easy ourselves we're talking about oh yeah one one new fc and then ended up with, with an eight goal thriller but um I've, yeah, I've, I've, if you just look at if you're looking at the goals, it's it's just still our fault. It's not Sheffield Wednesday have like carved us open. Like we've we've we've, we've yeah. let them back into the game. We started that first half so poorly, especially if you look, if you look at that penalty. Yes, it's a due decision whether it's a penalty or not, but it's our fault that we got into that situation to give away the penalty in the first place. Mm. Yeah, I mean it was generally just almost a bit slack, wasn't it? George and, and uh, yeah. I think I guess you can forgive them in a, in a sense and there wasn't tons and tons riding on the game although more was and 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 we really did expect this game to be of absolutely no significance it must have been quite hard for the team at 2:30 to suddenly be like crap we really need to win this game it was <laughs> it, it was supposed to be a run out if anything Mm, I mean, it did have the sort of uh, the feel of uh, a kind of testimonial going into it before. Before, obviously, we we knew the uh, the results had gone our way. I sort of uh, said to Fred beforehand, like this game could be as pointless as the last three months that you've had at school, <laughs> just like <laughs> popping in one day a week to do a word search. But um, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> Credit to, I think it was because I can understand why it happened because Sheffield Wednesday for the first half were so flat and so lifeless. There was there was no dynamism. There was no pressing. It just looked like they had just given up completely. And obviously the position we going three and up at half time. You know like, this is going to be so easy. So I think that obviously would have played on the, uh, the Fulham players. Maybe they sort of weren't expecting anything at all from Sheffield Wednesday, and then they made the two um, attacking substitutions, bringing on on um, Connor Wickham and Nuhu as well. And then it, it really came at us. There was a sustained spell of pressure for twenty minutes, where obviously we conceded. But it was <laughs> it was it was a vintage Championship game. Every single year. We have two or three results, which which is why I think the championship is 
certainly more entertaining than the Premier League is that Premier League you might have a, a few games like this a year whereas Championship they just seem to pop up everywhere and uh, I don't I don't know I, I think uh, it's, it's not excusable and it is very worrying going into the, the playoffs that we're still at fault for some of the goals but I think you know you, you take the rough and smooth when you have uh, a, a, a game on this sort of level of spectacle as, uh, as this one just did and yeah I mean hopefully we can eradicate that and tighten things up a little bit but yeah, it was just it was just one of the, it, all sort of whatever you expect the game to be was just thrown out the window at the second that they got that goal in. It was you you kept the the, the sort of juxtaposition between being incredibly relaxed and then incredibly nervous just made for a great <laughs> game of football. It was it was quality. yeah. And sometimes you do just have to accept it was a good game of football. We came out on top. We did our best. Yes, some of the goals we conceded were a bit concerning. But also at the moment, I'm just glad we scored some good goals, five goals. And actually, that's been my main concern with Fulham is actually our ability to create chances. I'm fairly confident if that if everything's relying on it, we are pretty good normally at keeping a clean sheet and keeping things tight if we have to. Sometimes I look at certain players, you know, I'm glad Be- uh, Decker Dover-Reed got a goal and I'm really glad that Cabano's in confidence because it now means that we have um, some extra options. I mean, that free kick from from Neeskins, I mean, it's genius. Uh, uh, under the wall, it, it, I know it's a common cliche, but if Messi does it, Everyone's everyone's raving over it. It was cheeky. It, I mean, if you had to describe what sort of player Niskins Cabano is in one word, I think you'd go with that, or you'd be struggle. You'd be hard pushed to find a better suited, um, you know, analogy. But he's. Just, yeah. I, I think the the thing that he I think makes Niskins stand out for me is his ability to win free kicks and penalties, as we saw on on Saturday. Just that that sort of heavy touch past the player and then and then he draws the foul and he's so good at that his intricate little skills in and around the area and it, it often goes sort of unnoticed because it's not they're not always in sort of advanced attacking positions that he wins these free kicks but he's I, I fully expect him to start next game after um, yesterday's performance because he was without doubt man of the match I mean Dom we've often on this podcast been advocates for Niskins Cabano and we've always known that he's a great player just always overlooked whenever it comes around to the end of the season uh, we seem to always buy our customary two wingers every single year and yet season after season Cabano's here and just kind of a little bit overlooked I mean it's I don't know if that's maybe down to kind of his character. You you look at him on Instagram. He looks like a a very, very funny man, a very popular man. But just maybe, I don't know, he doesn't impose himself in the dressing room. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to grasp why a player of such clear talent as we saw yesterday just hasn't had more of an impact at Fulham other than maybe those first couple of seasons. I think he's never really got, as you said, and he's never really got a proper run in the side. Really, it's sort of it's sort of bit parts. He's he started mainly when they either we're resting other players or another player is injured. Whether, whether from when we signed him to sort of when he's come to the club now, but obviously he was in the academy at Paris Saint Germain. The quality is there. Obviously, he then we when we signed him from Belgium, we we, we let him play in a Europa League or Champions League qualifier before. Then he he joined us in was it sixteen seventeen. So. Yeah, I think, you know, Nis- I've, I've always been a huge fan of Niskins Cabana. I think sometimes what people do think is his lack of end product. But what I also think the reason is, is he's not like a, a flashy winger. Like, he's not a Cavalero. He's not a knockout. He's not like an Aita. He, he, sort, of, he sort of does the dirty work, really. If you, if you look at a lot of his Fulham goals before, obviously, uh, yesterday, 
they're not like I wouldn't say they were screamers, but they're not like goals that are nice to watch on the eye. If that makes sense. One goals that you know they they, they are they yeah. are tend to be quite scruffy, or they're you know they're they're one on one finishes. You know, I remember that uh, was it late equaliser or late winner at home to Wigan when yeah when Dan Burns sort of sliding into the net. I think that was the winning goal. I think I want to make that would have yeah, made yeah. two two one to us. Um, but yeah, Nisi's goodbye. I just never think he he gets a fair run. And see, maybe maybe because he doesn't have the rep, you know. With Cavalero and Knockup, we've signed them obviously on loan, and then you know got them on permanent f- uh, fees for big, big transfer money. So maybe, maybe he doesn't have the rep, but he's he's definitely like liked around the dressing room. I think every he's probably one of every he's... best mate in the squad. So and I and I I think yeah, I don't I don't I think it's just the main reason why maybe he's not rated by certain Fulham fans so much is maybe because of his end product but he definitely showed obviously yesterday that he's got that end product two great goals and you know speaking about that free kick he reminded me quite a lot of uh, Moose Dembele on his debut at home to Wolves where he scored a yeah. very similar free kick but it was obviously just on the other side because obviously he would have been on his left foot but because it wasn't it it wasn't like the most 100% clean hit you've ever seen but it, it was direct it was straight into the back of the net so you know I think yesterday showed why Cabano still got a big part to play in this team he has started 27 games since he joined Fulham he's been here four seasons that's so he could have played in 175 league games and he started 27 times that's astonishing that he's still kind of happy to be at the club uh, for, for one, after starting so little. And and two, that we've got this player that's just not even started a fifth of our matches in the last four years that's obviously got so much quality. It's just, it is kind of staggering, really, that it, I actually just hadn't quite realised how overlooked he was. I think it's, it speaks volumes for his character as a, you know, a player and as a bloke that whenever he's called upon, he always pulls up and gives his effort. Like you've, you've never had a sort of hint of, you know, he's been dissatisfied with, with the amount that he's been played. And you, you can always rely on him to, to do a job when he, when he is called up. And yeah, as I said, I, I sincerely hope that he starts the next game because he's earned it. Definitely. Well, um, one other big talking point from the game. I mean, there was actually loads of talking points in this game, but I think we need to move on and look at the championship as a wider thing in a second. But one of them was uh, Harrison Reed um, getting sent off in the 90th minute. It it, it was a yellow. I, I didn't have much to argue about it. It was a yellow cut. It was a second yellow. Um it, it was clumsy from Harrison. He's only book. He's only banned for one game, which means he's rested for whatever playoff game we will likely face. Dom, we are you too worried that he's going to be out for the next game? Obviously, the Wigan game does now have some importance, whereas we didn't think it would. I think it's tactical. He was on four yellow cards, like that was his fifth yellow card, like. I'm not saying Scott Barnes told him to told him to do that, but it's but why? Just a why, is, why would well, well, he wouldn't I, get ba- He can't get banned for five yellows. I don't know. I, I feel like him even getting that 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 ban. Like I I I'm not saying he's done it. On, he's done it on purpose to get get. Everybody, but I don't think it's a big problem at all. I think actually him having that one game off before potential playoff runners can only be good for us. Because. <laughs> I, if look like if you looked at, if you looked at our midfield against Sheffield Wednesday or who probably aren't at, in form at the moment as a, a better team than Wigan Athletic, but if you look at them in the table, they are of there are very very similar places in the table. That our midfield like we didn't need to bring on Harrison Reed in that game. They, they, we didn't we didn't have to do that. 
Um, no. the, the midfield three was playing perfectly fine, and obviously Onoma, Arta, and Johansson. So I think we we we, we I think midfield's probably the last place I'd be worried. You know, I know. I know he's been excellent since the restart, but it's not like before the restart we were crying out for a holding midfielder. Mm. Our midfield was working fluid uh, at the time. And, you know, may- maybe Wigan, I don't know if it's the best game, but it's a, it's a game that maybe Kearney can come back and we can see if he actually does make this midfield any better or, or does he make it worse? Obviously, we, we spoke about this. So, I, yeah, I'm not... I, I'm not saying he's done it so he so he is rested ahead of potential potential playoff run, but yeah, I don't think it's anything to really be concerned about. Really, he's just he's just getting a, a game rest before a potential playoff run. Really, so I just, I just want to get yeah. to the this. So if he if he was to have uh, not been sent off and then picked up a yellow either against Wigan or in say one of the opening rounds of the of the playoffs, would he then have been suspended? I don't, I, 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 I don't know. I, I just I just saw a tw- uh, stat on. Twitter saying that he was he was on four yellow cards. I don't, I think the f- the five yellow card rule was probably not wiped. in not yeah wiped by this stage of the season. But even still, I think him having a rest will be a positive just because you know we if we if we go he's played so much football and he only just come back from a fairly serious injury. You know he's, he's been he's been out for a fairly long time. Yes, he's been our best player since the restart, but our midfield was probably the area I was sort of least worried about coming back in. You know, I was I would say I was more worried about our our, our wing backs and our wingers more than our, our midfield really. And it's more about it's more about it was more about the maybe how the attacking side of our midfield than the defensive side. I actually feel like the the whole midfield area we've 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 actually got quite a lot of options and players who can play there. You know, we haven't seen McDonald since the restart, but when he when he came in this season he looked he looked like back to nearly back to his best from seventeen eighteen. So yeah, I think, you know, it's it's I don't think it's an issue at all really. I'm pretty sure that the yellow card rule now is being wiped. Um so I'm fairly certain that 5 10 15 at this stage of the season doesn't matter. I'm almost certain I heard it on commentary. Um but I I would have to be I would have to double check, but I'm almost certain that it wouldn't have meant that he could have got a ban. But anyway, um, regardless, he is rested for that Wigan game. Let's have a look at the the championship as a wider thing. Leeds are champions. Congratulations to Leeds. Um, they were the best team this season. I think there is no doubt about that. Bielsa is an amazing coach <sighs> and fair play that they've done it. And, you know, back where they belong, as they'll say. Um, well done, Leeds. I hope you're Promotion makes you very happy. What yeah. a sad life, mate. Well, I think, well, I think what's interesting <laughs> to make is the comparisons you can make with this with the table in seventeen eighteen. Because I think even if Leeds win their final game, I think they're only finished three points higher than what Cardiff did in seventeen eighteen. Yeah. I think if we get top two, we finish on eighty three points, which is five less than we got in seventeen eighteen, and we didn't even make top two that season. So. You can say what you would. This seems to be more competitive, or it's just the quality's just bit just been less. I mean, all you need to do is look at Nottingham Forest's results since the restart, and they were like one of the favourites still for promotion, probably go, go, going into the going into lockdown. So, yeah, no, I think it's interesting to sort of compare the sort of points totals that you need to go up this season compared to recent seasons. Because you you always say going into a season that you need you need you need what two points a game you'd say to get automatic promotion and. I think you can't, yeah, you can't discredit Leeds because they have been for me the best team in the league. They've been, apart from that little blip, I think they had their blip. Thankfully for them, probably too early compared to usual for other teams to catch them up, and they were able to sort of get off that. Usually their blip comes in from about March into April and May, but 
yeah, no, I've, congratulations to Leeds. I've got, I've got quite a few mates who are Leeds fans and they're absolutely over the moon. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've seen a team celebrate getting promotion from the championship quite as much as them. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they can do in the Premier League next season. Yeah, I just yeah. want to um, echo that. They're thoroughly deserved from Leeds. And it's quite exciting to see them back in the Prem, to be honest. It's been a long old absence and, you know, a club of their stature. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing some uh, some Premier League shithousery from them next season. So, um, so yeah, well done. And then enjoy the celebrations to... Uh, any Leeds fans? I don't suppose they would be listening. They bloody love listening to this podcast. Because <laughs> yeah. actually, well, it wasn't wasn't what they picked up on something that Coop said in that in a in the post match pint video after yeah. the two one home victory. I can't remember Leeds what that fans. was. Leeds fans were all over you uh, for something that you said um, in the post in, in the full times that we do at the old stuff at punch. It was something like you said that um, Leeds are a bit of a dirty team, and then they were all had a big problem um, with that because they they think that they are we'll this. Yeah, they are the Mother Teresa of the championship. This um, is what Leeds and their lockdown doing is just searching old the old Fulhamish content archives, find anything bad ever said about the club. <laughs> um, West Brom though what on earth happened against Huddersfield this is a team that rolled over 2-0 against Luton um, less than a week ago and so West Brom go up there with everything in their own hands played a stinker um, I guess what you saw there was a bit of quality from from Huddersfield and a player like Smith Rowe is is clearly one of their most talented players and it was a lovely take for for him to score the second. They've they've sacked Danny Cowley today, which I'm like still trying to get my head around. I don't know if this is a bit of a. I remember last year when we all were um, getting a bit um, jumped on the West Brom fans for saying that it were that, it's, that Darren Moore didn't deserve to be sacked and it's hard to know unless you're actually a fan of a club what it's like. But it seems crazy that. They'd sack him two days after beating the team in second to secure survival. Um, Especially as they won one of their first, was it eight games when he joined? Yeah, yeah, mad. But then, uh, so so West Brom blew that. And then on Saturday, I was listening to Brentford v Stoke on TalkSport. And I haven't been that excited mm-hmm. about another team not winning in such a long time for them to have it in their hands for them to just be able to stroll their way to the Premier League and all they needed to do was beat a team that's pretty much safe and beat a team fighting relegation and they blew it at the first attempt I actually beeped my horn in the car (laughs) at nobody at nobody with my wife in the passenger seat wondering why I was getting so excited because I just thought it was I don't I'm not even like you know Brentford mayor but it was so so funny I don't know if anyone else just just laughed that was all I had yeah no Fred and I were watching it um watching it on Sky just before we did the the hot mic and we were like I can't can't believe this is happening this is you you genuinely can't write it and um I mean this it's all there's to it's theirs to lose still but I mean what pressure what pressure we can only hope that that sort of psychological element gets the better of them you know I mean, my brother texted me yesterday and said it might be, it's like a stab in the heart to them. They may not recover from this. And whilst I actually think that Thomas Frank has enough about him to get them back on board and they probably will pick up the win they need against Barnsley on, on Wednesday. Dom, the psychological effect of having it in your hands like that and blowing it like so soon is is spectacular. it's, It's the first time this season they've had to win a game, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the first time there's actually been any 
form of pressure on them. And I can t- I can tell you one thing: the last thing any Brentford fan wants is to be in the playoffs with their playoff record. Like yeah. I, they they uh, it it was it's basically like near enough Leeds's record in the playoffs. Their 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 record in the playoffs is so bad that and and if, if let's say they don't well, let's say they draw or lose to Barnsley, and obviously yeah, whether us or West Brom got whatever, but the the morale in that squad will be completely shot. And let's say, for example, they probably won't, because uh, I think it's a bit too far. I think the, the goal difference wins probably made. But let's say, for example, Swansea are the team that somehow, let's say they got into the top six, for example, because I think it's still possible for them. Um, yep. Because, you know, I think they can still catch Forest and Cardiff. So, and they're, they're the form team, you know, and they won't be playing a team like that. Even if they play Cardiff, Cardiff football, they will be frustrating against Brentford. And I just think it was because Brentford have been playing this free-flowing football season. It's a bit like 17-18 in a sense with us, really, where it's the first game where they've had to win the game. Like, there's actually something else on the line because they've probably looked... They, they, they can see themselves that we could get top two, but the first time it's actually been in their hands, like when Cardiff were losing on the final day and we were playing Birmingham, that they've 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 fallen apart really, and it'll be very interesting to see what happens against Barnsley because obviously Barnsley got that late winner against Nottingham Forest today, and obviously they need the win to stay up. They're well they're well in the mix. They're not even they're, I think they're off, they're off the bottom now. I think Hull City are sitting bottom of the table, and yeah, it's it's very interesting to see that obviously us playing Wigan and Barnsley playing Brentford. That it's uh, two massive well not even six points. It's pretty much millions of pounds worth defining for for either side. Well, um, we'll go into the questions in a second, but Russ SW6 asks, we really can't believe that West Brom won't at least get a point against QPR at home, though. Can we? Can we dream? Is this? I mean, obviously, you told us that the odds earlier, Dom, and I'd like to put a punt on it, but it's it's pretty unlikely that everything's going to fall our way on Wednesday. And, and I don't know. QPR is a tricky one. Yeah, it's it's because the things that with this QPR team, there are some good individual players in the side. They they can play well on the day. There has been games this season where they have they have played well. You know, Jordan Hugo's got I think what fifteen or so goals this season. We know how good Eze is. So I'd, I'd like it's so it's so it's so unlikely because I think the odds for them to win when I check anyway were about twelve to one. But it is as we've seen from this weekend, you can't predict anything in the championship and when it when it when it comes to not any league just not even just championship a lot of leagues when, when that when that team needs to win their last game how many times have we seen a team playing for absolutely nothing ruin it all you need to do is think about uh the Gerard slip when Devin Barr runs through on goal Chelsea weren't playing for anything at that point there's so many times you see it where the team that actually causes another team to step up is actually a team who can play however they want because they haven't got anything on the line uh, and QPR, you know, going into it with with a little bit of form and confidence, they they beat a playoff chasing Millwall four three yesterday. So that you know they may be on the beach, but and I mean QPR fans are, I think, pr- probably thinking, let's just lose this one. We'd rather not hand Fulham or Brentford um, promotion, but it's not easy. For, for West Brom, but I think definitely a lot harder for Brentford and probably the result of the day from a Fulham perspective was um, Barnsley going and getting a 93rd minute winner against Forest, which keeps them in the hunt for safety, meaning that 
Barnsley have to go to Brentford and win on um, on Wednesday to, to to try and stay in the league. George, it's that's tough for Brentford, isn't it? Because and we know how good Barnsley can be. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, we've we've seen Brentford have got a taste for slipping up, and Barnsley and being a very you know a playoff a playoff side in 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 Nottingham Forest. It's just, we've said so many times on on this podcast that this league is just been for the taking and for so long now the amount of missed opportunities and you know games that we've we've sort of like slipped up on in but you look at the results that that we've sort of haven't got along the the games that we really should have won and you just you just think what if but it sort of sums up this season perfectly the fact that we're going into the last game and just anything could happen still I'm I'm flabbergasted that it's 120 to to one was it was that right Don what did you say the odds were yeah I, I think I got on my accumulator for all the results to come through through was 134 with the William Hill whistle. I'll tell you what wouldn't actually surprise me in the slightest is if the the goal scorer that stops Brentford winning the game is Cordy Woodrow because every <laughs> time every time Brentford have got any form of promotion push, there's always a Fulham related player who stops them. There was obviously the you know, Marcelo Trotter penalty against Doncaster when he was on yep. loan from us. You look at the player final against Yeovil, Dan Byrne scored in that game. You look what yep. they got in the playoffs in their first season of the championship. Who got the goal for Middlesbrough at Griffin Park? Fernando Morbieta. It's always someone full and related who ends up stopping them going up. Now, Dom looking Please. into his crystal ball. Their fingers crossed. Come on, Cooley. Sir Cooley Woodrow, let's do it. Please, if it is Corley Woodrow that scores the goal that gives Fulham automatic promotion by beating or even drawing against Brentford... Scorley Woodrow, I will put on the back of my Fulham shirt. You've heard it here first. I would uh, start a petition for Tony Khan to re-sign him if, if he does that. Or the Riverside stand, it needs a name. It needs <laughs> it does a name. does indeed, does indeed. The Scorley Woodrow stand, it has a beautiful <laughs> ring to it. All right, we've got loads of questions and we've got a preview, Wigan, so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back shortly. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here and I'm joined by George Cooper. Hello. And Don Betts. Hello, hello. Uh, so Fulhamish face masks are back on sale uh, by popular demand. Uh, we sold out of them um, about a month or so and we've had so many messages from people asking if we can get them back in stock. I guess with the kind of uh, English laws changing uh, in, the, in the next few days, people are even more desperate now to, to get hold of a face mask. So uh, fulhamish.co.uk forward slash shop. Uh, we have two different designs. We have the 2000-2001 home strip inspired style that you can get which is the one that I uh, have been rocking lately uh, going going to my local Sainsbury's or you can get the Dimitar stripe which is kind of the black background with the gold and white stripe um, both look absolutely class uh, I think they cost a tenner uh, plus postage and packaging so if you need if you're in need of a, a slightly more uh Fulham orientated face covering, uh, then you could definitely do worse than uh, than heading over to the Fulhamish shop and copping one of those. Um, Bets, you've got one, haven't you? Of course I do. Okay, right. Um, let's have a look at uh, Wigan quickly before we answer some of your questions. And well, I mean, it's been a crazy season uh, for Wigan at the DW. Looked certain at one point for relegation by themselves, but have been probably the most informed team since the restarts. And we all saw that incredible 8-0 win that they had over Hull. 
But of course, it's with the caveat for Wigan that despite them being currently in 13th position and 10 points clear of relegation, with a 12 point impending points deduction because they went into administration and that all seems like a, a, a real big scandal. Um, George, this is now... There's everything on the line for Wigan in this match. As much as we're going, oh, Barnsley have got something to play for, so do Wigan, because if they get a win, they could also secure safety even despite the 12 points points deduction. So, you know, we can we can, we can sit here and joke about West Brom and, and Brentford losing, but it's not it's not plain sailing for us either. No, absolutely not. And obviously having to go to the uh, the DW on the on the rich vein of form that they've uh, they found themselves in. You know, it, that game was just absurd, 8-0. But terrible XG though, I will point out. Terrible XG. So oh. um, I'm sure Dom will have something to say. George, you, surpri- <laughs> you surprise me. I'm obviously taking the piss, but <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not. They, if I had to pick a team that I'd want to play in the league, Wigan would not would not be it because you know they're scoring goals for fun and it's just. I to be honest, this this league is just impossible to predict. I wouldn't want to put any money on what's going to happen on on Wednesday. But you've just got to hope that the boys have got a bit of confidence after the performance yesterday, and we found a bit of uh, we found, put our scoring boots on. So I, I mean, I expect us to to win this game. I think that if you look at it on the on the sort of grand scheme of things, we've potentially got more to play for, um, as, certainly as much. So um, so yeah, I'd say bring it on, and I, I am I am feeling confident uh, that we, that we'll. Do it on on Wednesday. Well, I mean, Dom, they've had a, a mad season, Wigan. They went 13 games without a win between October and New Year's Day, um, which was a wretched run. A lot of draws in there, to be fair to them. But then um, since February, they've won all but four games, um, which is incredible. And, and recently they've been on an amazing run, which includes that 8-0 over Hull. Um, they beat QPR, they smashed Stoke, they beat Blackburn who are in form, they won away at Huddersfield. Um, and of course, back in February, they beat West Brom as well. They, they are in very, very good form. And obviously it was a real disappointment for them yesterday, conceding so late against Charlton because probably a win there would have just been enough. Sorry, Sammy, can I just point out, you can't knock Farrell for using the since February stat and then use it yourself. (laughs) No, no, but I mean, as in like... Okay, since February, (laughs) since just before lockdown, they're on a good run. They're on a good run. I think you can use it now. Now we're we're deep into uh, the game's post-restart. Farrell used it literally the game after. I think it's slightly more acceptable. But if you think supporting Fulham's crazy, what would it like what's it like supporting Wigan? Because even if we're looking at the last what 15, 15 years or so, right? They've they had their miraculous rise and got to the Premier League. They've made a League Cup final. Obviously, they they stayed up by the skin in their teeth every season for about five, six years. They won the FA Cup against Man City when they've already relegated. They've played they've obviously obviously they didn't do it as well as we didn't do it, but they played in Europe. They've gone down to League One a couple of times, they've come back up, they've got this EFL points deduction, the the crazy manner of how this points deduction has come about. We probably have it easy comparing to what we're gonna have had the last fifteen years. Well, also, they hadn't won an away game basically all season. Well, no, and then it, it was, they've, beaten, they've beaten Leeds and West Brom. Yeah, no, and what's what's crazy is I think um, when they beat Leeds this, this season, I think they're out of their last three away wins, two two came at Ellen Road or something crazy because they won their last season as well. But yeah, Wigan has always been crazy. But I, I, I mean, I, I would say if you're looking at a club, uh, whose what club supporters have had. 
the most crazy time over the last 15 years. And, you know, if you include the highs in that, bar Leicester, I mean, a team like Wigan winning the FA Cup is against Manchester City at the time was, it was, is absolutely crazy. But what I'm devastated of is we don't have this as like a last day of the season away day. Mm. Oh, and magic. It would have been absolutely mental. Wigan away is my favourite away in the Football League as it is anyway. Well, okay. it's a gr- always good, always it's, good. It, it just ticks. It, it ticks every single box, right? You've got the you've got a good train direct from Euston over two hours. <laughs> good, 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 good length. Good amount of cans you can get in. It's the ground. <laughs> the ground's not the ground's not far from all the pubs in in the town centre. So you don't want a ground like Wickham or a ground like Reading where it's in the middle of nowhere. Or Burton. It's, 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 yeah, yeah, it's 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 cheap, right? It's, it's one of the away ends where you get the entire end. It just ticks every box. It also has that bar in the stand. It feels like you're going into corporate hospitality, um, but it also feels a bit like an empty bingo hall. Um, but, you know, good pies as well. Um, yeah, I've done, and also tends to be a good record up at Wigan. Yeah, so we, we won quite a few times there in a row yeah, we, we, um, back we, in our we, Premier we, League we, days. We've, we've drawn quite a few times, but I've, we rarely lose there. One that sticks in my memory is. It was the three-three in the championship. Um, just even thinking about the goal scorers with Ross McCormack and Brian Rees. I think Ross McCormack got sent off. Also, I think that away that away there's probably like one of the most drunk I've been at a football game <laughs> in my life. And that's and that's saying something. I think mm. I fell down the stairwell about three times. <laughs> um, but I mean. <laughs> We, we go into the game. I'm almost loath to try and get you to make predictions. Um, Coops, who would you like to see playing in this match? Does Scott need to go with the um, full strength 11, given the small but real chance of automatic promotion? Or does he rest a couple of people knowing that it's going to be three, maybe four days until a play- likely playoff semi-final um, against either Forest, Cardiff or Swansea? Uh, I think a combination of the two, to be honest, Sammy. I think there are certain players that have warranted their their start. I think, um, as I said, Cabano, definitely I want to see him play. And also Cyrus Christie, I thought he was really, really good yesterday. Uh, We've seen, he was just, he found his sort of assisting boots and he, the balls that he was putting in were fantastic. We saw a couple um, come in from the right-hand side along the deck, which was reminiscent of, of seeing Fredericks and what he used to do on the overlap. And I think I want to see those two play. And then I'd, I'd go with the same uh, same midfield, I think. Maybe bring Kearney in if he's... But, but again, if he's not fully fit, as Scott said before his, uh, before the match in the press conference beforehand, then I maybe wouldn't take any chances and, uh, and make sure he's fully fit. But I'd go with a similar midfield. I, I'd, I'd go with the same team, to be perfectly honest, Sammy, I think um, I think that's a good element of of leaving some players to sort of like regain. We've got Harrison Reed, obviously, who's going to be rested due, due to his suspension. So I'd, I'd go again with the with the same lineup. And Dom, would you go full strength or do you rest a couple of players? It's a tough one for Scott. I don't. I don't, I wouldn't go completely full strength, but I'd pick a team that you are comfortable enough is going to win the game. If that makes sense, a bit like what we did on the weekend, really. So. Yeah, like I would, I, w- I want to see obviously Cabano play. I I'd still stick with the likes of Stefan Johansson, or maybe only you know Duke in a game like this. Do you bring in someone of the likes of Kevin McDonald to slot into the holding midfield role? Do you keep Arta there? Will Kearney come back in and play play game? I think 
I think we'll pick a strong team, but I don't. I, I don't think Scott Parker is going to pick his best possible eleven. Well, it depends. What it's, it was subjective, obviously. What you see see is our best possible eleven. But yeah, no, I think it, we'll pick a team strong enough that's enough to win the game. But we we do we don't want to go all out. Go go all out for the ninety minutes, trying to get the victory. We end up finishing in the playoffs and then a lot of the players are knackered ahead of the game against either Forest, Cardiff or Swansea, really. So I think it's a bit of a similar situation to the Sheffield Wednesday game, really. I guess the good, uh, the other good news about Barnsley beating Forest for us is that Forest probably won't be able to rest their players either because there is still a chance that they could fall out the playoffs and they do need that point against Stoke and we saw what they did to Brentford um, in order to, to secure their place in the playoffs. And definitely Cardiff and Swansea uh, won't be resting players. So fingers crossed, if we do go for it, we will be in the same boat as, as whoever we face um, in the playoffs, which which looks likely. Of course, if we finish third, we will play next Sunday. Uh, if we finish fourth, we will play next Monday. And then uh, we would play Wednesday or Thursday, respectively, third or fourth. And interesting to see who we get out of of Forest and Cardiff that's one of the questions actually so let's come to that now it's from Sam playoffs still the most likely so who would you rather play Forest or Cardiff uh Coops uh, I'd rather play Cardiff just because I think Nottingham Forest have that style where they're quite tightly drilled and difficult to break down. And then, as we saw when uh, they beat us at the cottage, they can get catch you on the break. And they've got they seem to have that sort of little extra bit of experience. So uh, I'd I'd rather play Cardiff as we we seem to beat them fairly easily a couple of weeks back. So um, yeah, Cardiff for me, Sammy. Dom, do you agree? No, I go Forest. Um, really? I just think their results since the restart have been awful. Yeah, you they know, have. You, They've been really on a sliding slope. Um, if you like, you you'd have seen them as going into the uh, going into it. You would have seen them certified for playoffs, right? They're going into the last game and they could finish seventh still. Like it, for me, I think you know. Obviously, they lost to Barnsley today. Their confidence is going to be shot. Whereas the likes of Swansea and Cardiff have been playing well. And yeah, for me, I'm although it was it was a narrow victory over Forest. I'm. I'm confident we'd, we'd be able to beat him because re- realistically, I, I, don't, I don't see him being as good as the, on the counter-attack as they were when they beat us at the cottage. I think that's when they're probably in their best uh, run of form during the season. I think they have been terrible since the restart. So, f- and for me, and you get, if, if we're playing them with them finishing fifth, for example, obviously we get that extra day rest. Yeah, completely. I was talking to Ali Maxwell earlier. He was one of the people at my impromptu I you said Ali Mack. I was like, mm, I'm not sure you were. Yeah, no. Uh, with Ali Maxwell um, at the impromptu kickabout, who of course uh, hosts not the top twenty, and I asked him who he'd rather Fulham faced. He's not a Fulham fan, but anyway, um, he said Cardiff. He's just said that um, Graben and Lolly are just really dangerous and can conjure something out of nothing, and he doesn't think Cardiff have quite that magic player that that Forrest do and so I I would also agree with Coops they can hold out and they can be niggly and I I I would be a bit more confident facing Cardiff but it's kind of lesser of two evils really it's quite hard to know let's move on to the next question which is from Jared Jared Sager minus the mistake uh, which arguably reset into motion is Maxime LaMarchand underrated he does everything defensively that Joe Bryan can't shore up on that side um, Dom I know that you're an MLM fanboy uh, yeah so it's always MLM season um no I, I, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't I, I don't I wouldn't say he's underrated because that would imply that he's been good ever since he joined us which which he hasn't but 
I think what he does is he's very assured defensively in at this standard in the championship. We've seen that every time he's, he's come on, I don't think we've conceded a late goal. Although he's yeah. only probably come on about four times. Um, <laughs> and that's only been since the restart, really. But earlier on the season, I didn't know where he was. It was, bit, it was basically Lionel Cole part two. Um, but I think, yeah, no, I, I don't, maybe not underrated. I think maybe what's underrated is the role he has. I still think that, like, I think for me, it depends it, who you're playing, really. You know, I think it, it was fine against Sheffield Wednesday because they're not, they weren't really a team who we were expecting to come out and attack us, really. Whereas a team like Wigan, we know the amount of goals they, they, can, they can score, really. So I, don't, I, I, I think he's, he's definitely obviously got a role to play. I, but I, I don't know. I, I know I've criticised Joe Bryan, but I just don't see him as that natural left back who's going to be, who's going to be, going up and down but maybe if you've got Cabana on the left hand side do you need that kind of left back so it's mm. it's, it's an interesting it, I think I think actually one thing it must be depends is probably actually who's playing on the left hand side yeah whether it's Cabana uh, or whether it's Cabana I like Maxime Lamarchon but I just prefer Maxime Lamarchon as a centre back which is his natural position I still think that he is an awkward left back and that was never really his true position when he signed for us and it, it seems a shame that he's always there I, my favourite position for Maxime Lamarchon is him on the left hand side of a back three but I, I think that's fanciful mm, I mean that's when we see him and I feel like he's at his most useful for this current incarnation of the Fulham side is when he's been brought on to, to be a, a third centre-back to uh, to help us hold on to or cling on to a to one of victory. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see him start in the same um, position against against Wigan. I thought, but apart from the mistake, he, he did, I, I agree with the, uh, the listener who got him in touch, he did have a, a fairly good game. But um, yeah, I, I, I can't see him holding on to that spot as we go into the sort of more serious sort of business end of the playoffs. Yeah, we've got quite a few questions on the exact same line. Uh, one of them is from Richard Bamber, but I'm going to read the one by Lawrence Who? Craven. <laughs> I'm going to read the one by Lawrence Craven because uh, he, he's, well, it sounds mean to Richard to say he's worded it slightly better, but no, Sol, no, but Sol's already had his podcast he mentioned in the three word of use. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the real reason. Anyway, Lawrence says we have an outside chance of being promoted, but equal chance of finishing exactly where we are. What game this season, if you can narrow it down to one, has cost us automatic promotion or typified why we haven't been promoted automatically? I know what Lawrence is saying there. There's a lot of what ifs going on at the moment. What if we'd have won that game? What if we'd have not conceded that equaliser? I, I would temper it with saying there's lots of games this season where you could say, well, we actually won it at the death. Swansea comes to mind. Birmingham comes to mind. We didn't deserve to win those games, but we managed to sneak points and, and get, and that's put us into the position we're in as well. But let's take his question at face value. Dom, is there a game this season where you just think, Oh bloody hell, Fulham! That would have just—that was a really stupid one to lose. And well, look at uh, look at what it could have been, meant to us now if we'd have actually just gone back in time and actually fixed things. I think Millwall away—that that that sticks in my mind really. Obviously, we really, got, yeah, Millwall away for me. I think there, there are—I mean, there are games. There's Luton away, where obviously the three-three. There's the Reading at home game. There's both the Charlton games. There's obviously the Hull at home. There's both the Barnsley oh. games. But for me. Mill away just because I think when we got that early goal we were in cruise control and I don't think Millwall got back into the game by, by 
by outplaying us. And I think we let them back into the game too easily. Like if you if we are pointing to one game, there's plenty of games yeah. we can point at and say, oh, we should have done better there. You know, the game away at Stoke straight after the October international break where we were absolutely dreadful. Um, and you know, that, that game at home to Charlton, yes, we probably could have scored later on with that Bobby Reid chance. But for me, I think as, as a game where I generally think, you know, we shouldn't have let them into the game and we should have won the game. I'm pro- I'll am i probably go Millwall away. Yeah, I just, I think this season our, our main downfall has been we've, we've just taken far too long to to hit our stride and I guess it would be up for debate as to whether we, we have hit our stride at any point. I mean, we've we've had some runs of wins and stuff, but for me it was the, the whole game at home, 3-1, where I just thought there's no hope in this side and we lost far too many games such as that um, obviously the, the Barnsley uh, spring to mind as well as Don mentioned but a yeah, whole 3-1 it, that performance as a whole typified everything that was wrong with some of the way we played well, the season just completely flat completely out of ideas no attacking creativity whatsoever and it was for me the worst performance of the season and uh, I think sort of set the tone for, for, a, for a large spell of, um, of of the year which you know if you, I, yeah so for me that was the most moment where I was just like okay this this side isn't sort of worthy of automatic promotion but then we turn it around and look where we are now it's just it's been a mental mental year uh, but if I had to pinpoint one where I thought you know if maybe if it had gone the other way we would have sort of not hit that sort of dip in form um, I'd say I'd say the whole 3-1. I think an interesting there's there's what there's another game which is interesting in the fact obviously there was Middlesbrough away if Rodak doesn't get that red card I think we win that game because we were still the better team in that game when we went down to ten men another an inter- interesting talking point is not game wise but let's say we had Hector from the start of the season and we had Rodak in goal instead of Bettinelli from the start I think we probably would have got top two yeah yeah I think that's a very fair I think I that's agree. a very fair point because we we just have been so much improved since the new year but we've just run out of games in which to to get the top two and I think eventually we would have got there the one for me you know aside from the obvious probably to just ask me on a whim I would have gone well Barnsley at home was just bloody stupid um you know they were they are not a great team and for them to go to Craven Cottage and win three nil goalkeeper mistakes it was just a horrible day but the actual one that I will look back on West Brom at home in September which we drew 1-1 and obviously Knockout scored quite a good goal still debatable whether it was a shot or a cross but anyway he looped in he he looped in and we were in cruise control that game and we had chances to make it two as well we had several and then Semi Ajayi scores in the 80th minute and obviously it was a it was a Marcus Bettinelli clanger and you look at the table that day now there was a couple of anomalies at the start of the season Swansea were top and I think won nearly all of their opening games and Charlton was second it was quite clear Charlton weren't going to stay in that position the game ended that day with Leeds in third on 13 points, West Brom in fourth on 13 points and Fulham in fifth. So we would have gone above West Brom and it would have been their first defeat of the season, I think. I might have got that wrong. Um, but anyway, I think if Fulham just needed to get their noses above Leeds and West Brom, and I think we actually could have stayed there and we could have kept our heads above water, but I think it handed the initiative to West Brom that day and we just never looked like catching them since so that's the one for me well I think it, it, it goes back to obviously what I'm saying if, if you have Hector and uh, Rodak playing that game we win that game yeah although you know I'm not saying Rodak's the, be- the, the best person at, cl- at, cl- at, cl- at claiming crosses or corners but he wouldn't have made out the clang that Marcus Bettinelli did and yeah I think I th- but I think one thing with the whole goalkeeper situation going off on a tangent he's got to mention is I think 
the way Bettinelli's handled what happened with him and Rodak, Rodak coming in, I think he's handled it exceptionally well. He has. He has indeed. Yeah. And I would really wish Marcus, and I, and I, I think it's quite inevitable he will leave this, this summer because I think Marcus is too ambitious to be um, sat on a bench and too good a goalkeeper um, to be sat on the bench as well. So I would not be surprised if Marcus gets a move to a good championship club and becomes a, a solid championship goalkeeper. And I would really wish that for him. And you never know, goalkeepers do sometimes get a bit better with age and that could happen to Marcus as well. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. But he does look like he's taking it with very, very good grace. And of course, he has a bit of a vital role in these last three games. If something terrible happens to, to Marek or he gets sent off or something like that, Marcus is going to be the man to step up and I would have confidence in him um, to, to do his best and do a good job in there uh, one final question uh, Dom you will particularly love this from Thomas Gordon uh, who I believe um, looking at his Twitter bio is in the States so that may change your answer to this I don't know what should I drink to celebrate possible promotion on Wednesday Dom to you 25 Jager bombs brilliant but um, come on I drink I mean it's got, is, it, is it an Aperol spritz one drink well, I don't know. I've never done that, so I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I I don't know. Like, no, nah, because like to like celebrate and refreshing something. I think you you still want a beer. So whatever, I'd say whatever your 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 favorite. But it would have to be a pint. It, it couldn't be like a can or a bottle or anything like. It would have to be like your your favorite draft or cast beer because that you know after like let's after like a hard day's work. Not like I've ever done one of them. Um, but the, the uh, best, the, 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 the that first pint when you go after work, go into the pub. That go, that is the quickest pint you you will drink that week. It just it, it it's, it's done. If like if you take longer than half hour to drink that first pint after work, there's severe questions that need to be asked. Coops, what drink would you drink to celebrate possible promotion on Wednesday? Ooh, I think I'm just going to uh, stick with my, my, my regular St. Michael, a nice ice cold San Miguel uh, to, to, to uh, welcome in a new era. But I, I don't know. If I, 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 there's, there's definitely a clever answer in there somewhere, but unfortunately it's just not coming, I'm afraid. Lads, we've got to be opening a bottle of, bu- <laughs> we got to be opening a bottle of bubbly, surely. Oh, surely. Like surely. Gives, gives me heartburn. No, get, yeah, get, oh. a bottle, get a bottle of Don Betts Perignon in and celebrate. Don Betts Perignon. <laughs> very good that's the one Don Pets Perignon um, Thomas I don't know if we've answered your question but uh, do let it. us what's, what's yours uh, then what, what would you have then Sam as I said a bottle of bubbly bottle of bubbly oh okay there we go it would have to be sh- got- yeah like sh- yeah, champagne with Fulham here like none of his yeah, come wine on. nonsense yeah not, not Prosecco either actual some champagne go yeah. all out Don Perignon on my way at the absolute minimum here. We're full of <laughs> we, do, we do we do we do it classy here. Or there's that isn't it? There's that American beer which has like got the Fulham designed can and everything. So if he's in yeah, the states, now that... might, if he's in the states, you might better get hold of it. Yeah, there is that. I don't know what it's called or where you get it from, but there is that um, beer distributor in the states that's made the a special I just Fulham want, one. I just want the can. Well, I just want the la- I just want the label. I'll, yeah. you just send me some labels and I'll put it on like a can of Carling or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right well um thank you very much for listening today um it's going down to the wire and it's very very exciting uh we will of course be podcasting after whatever happens on wednesday most likely it'll also be a preview of the upcoming playoff game but you never know it could be a celebratory promotion podcast if everything and i mean everything goes our way coops what you are going to name the podcast today I'm going to go with uh, Stephen Sheldrake's effort, Copa Copa Cabano. 
very, very nice. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening today. Get your face mask as well. Fullermish.co.uk forward slash shop to Don Betts. Thank you very much. It's all right. And to Coops, thank you very much. Cheers, man. See you soon. And I believe you're the one hosting on uh, Thursday post uh, post Wigan, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Look forward to uh, to chatting to you again then. All right. Well, catch Coops on the podcast later this week after the Wigan game. Big match. Keep your fingers crossed. Come on, you whites. You whites. <laughs> <laughs>